The European champions come to Kenilworth Road on Sunday afternoon. It's community against corruption. Um, James Cunliffe, the Lutonian journalist, alongside me to preview Luton Town versus Manchester City. Ready for this one, Jimbo? Ready I'll, I'll ever be. Hit the music. Welcome along to another episode of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. I'm Kev, your host as always, and as I've already said, I'm joined by the Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe for this Manchester City preview uh, episode. James, have you recovered from Tuesday night yet? Yeah, yeah, just about. Um, uh, The result will always stick in my mind, but everything else about it was positive. Yeah, no time to dwell on that. Uh, We've got the champions of England and Europe. And who knows, maybe at the end of the month, the World Club champions in town. Haaland, he's got his own special entrance. Don't forget, he's um, coming in. The rest of you Man City fans that are watching can go through the shit entrance, which actually ain't getting as much social media uh, now these days. Thank God for that. Before we get started on uh, the football, I mean, this is another fixture that's got so much history steeped in it. Last season on the podcast, we covered Man City versus Luton 1983, Raddy and Teach and everything that went with it. Funnily enough, we relegated them that afternoon. Uh, no chance of that happening on Sunday. But who knows, by the time the Premier League and everyone pulled their asses out, sorry, their fingers out of their asses, <laughs> they might do that job for us. Um What are your thoughts on the game, first of all, James? I think it's absolutely fitting that it's being played in December because I'm not viewing this as a football match. It's an absolute pantomime. (laughs) We've got him on his long run uh, for this episode of the podcast. He's been waiting three, four months, well, ever since the fixtures were were out for this one and and quite rightly so. Um, I mean, it's going to get billed as what? David versus Goliath. It's going to get billed as Rags versus Riches, Poundland versus Harrods, however you want to do it. It's impossible to go into this game when we're run as well as we are and a club that's facing 115 charges from the Premier League. You you know, you've got, you've got to mention it and um, hopefully we come out on top because we're almost playing for football on Sunday, not just for Luton Town because... You know, we have done things the right way and hopefully we get to celebrate the fact that we have done that. It's at best, it's the fake fairy tale of football against the real fairy tale of football. Um, But there's no way that I can view it in any other format than an absolute fast, to be quite honest, because of everything that's hanging over Manchester City's head, um, quite frankly. Luton come into this division getting absolute pelters and criticised for not spunking all the hundred and odd million quid they've earned from getting into the division. On new recruits, uh, they go about their business and sign uh, Ross Barkley uh, for absolutely nothing and he is performing out of his skin. 
And then on the other hand, you've got Manchester City who won everything last season and have won, you know, countless titles now. But everything that they've won is under a cloud of uncertainty and suspicion. And it's not just because of one season, it's because of nine seasons and 115 charges against them. It's just unfathomable how it's got to this. And, you know, Everton have had their points docked and still we have nowhere near, nowhere close to knowing what the hell's going to happen to this football club. But and it's all alleged at the moment, but while it's there, this is not a football contest for me. It's certainly not a fair football contest, that is for sure. It's not fair for getting the um, financial charges and everything that's hanging over Manchester City. It's not fair because we're a group of local businessmen and we're up against a nation state. It's... Um, there's nothing fair about that either. And this isn't us just whinging. We much prefer it the Luton way. We wouldn't want it any other way than the Luton way. But ultimately, that's what football's become now. You know, you you do things the right way. You, you, you are owned by a group of fans who put the community first, put the club first and everything else. But you are coming up against these um, powerful outfits that have none of that, but have all of the riches needed to, well put a dynasty of English football together, albeit one that's clouded by corruption, as you say. Yeah, and possibly built on a foundation of sand, really, because um, the, the football clubs just should not be owned and run by nation states. They shouldn't have all the wealth and power that they have. We're constantly told that the richest person in the world is a revolving cast of Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg. That's nonsense. The real richest people in the world are the people that own the likes of Man City because they've got generational untold wealth from oil, which is fair enough. That's their natural resource. Um, but they have bought these clubs as playthings, one, in my opinion, but mainly, and the most worrying thing, and it's what gets glossed over all the time, is it's a sports washing project to embolden their reputation and their standing in the world. And people will look at Manchester City and go, oh, but they play great football and they've got Pep Guardiola and the best striker in the world. And they play, they sweep all before them. They've won everything. And like, But would they have won this if they hadn't? had all that money and again, allegedly done it in an under, underhand way, a potentially underhand way because I don't know about you, but the last time I was slapped with 115 charges, this is just me. I absolutely came out in public and said, Nope, none of these charges are founded and we'll, I will prove them straight away. And then I set about just hiring all the most expensive lawyers I could <laughs> to find every loophole and red tape and wrap it up in that red tape in a nice little bow and draw out the process because that's what I believe I should have done to prove my innocence. Now, that's just me. It's just me that did that. I don't know what Manchester City have done, but that's the way I go about it when I get slapped with 115 charges 
of anything. Did your lawyers choose the trial date uh, way down the line as well as uh, Manchester City's ones have allegedly done? Don't know, mate, because um, <laughs> we've we've managed to kick these 150 charges that I got into the long grass. So don't know. Don't know, mate. But that's exactly what you should do. That's exactly what you should do when you get charged with wrongdoing. Rather than prove your innocence straight away, do that. That's what I did. It served me well. (laughs) Sky Sports is the place for this game on Sunday afternoon. If you do not have a ticket to the game, the game is, as you would imagine, already sold out. Two o'clock kickoff. It's a different time to the Liverpool one, so be aware of that. 2pm It's the first game of Super Sunday, uh, where hopefully no idiot on Sky is going to come out with that ridiculous line that the BT Sport commentator came out with after the Champions League final about it being the greatest fairy tale in football, which was an absolute load of bollocks. We all know the greatest fairy tale in football happened the Saturday before that at Wembley Stadium. And uh, we're going to celebrate that fact on Sunday afternoon by hosting the European champions. Let's turn it to football for a little bit. They are a good side. Yes, this this team has been built in a way that if all the charges are to be proven uh, correct and in a way that it shouldn't have been. But nevertheless, they are a good side. They are the standard setter in the country based on the amount of titles that they've won recently. I still personally believe they'll win the Premier League this season. I hope they don't win on Sunday. Of course I do. Um, but they are a football team that is good because, you know, that they're every bit as good as what their sort of achievements merit, even allowing for like what you just said. So it's going to be a very, very tough game. It is going to be a very tough game. And um, I think it'd probably be tougher than the Arsenal game. I agree. Um, on Tuesday night. While they are as good as they are, are they only as good as they are because of everything that they are alleged to have done? We don't know because nothing's been proven. Nothing's gone to court. Oh, nothing's really been released either. And nothing's been released yet. But, you know, Luton are a community club run by local people, run by fans, for the fans. And I love that. And everything that Luton do off the pitch um, in terms of looking after their fan base, the first club in England to pay the national living wage, all these things that say that they care about the community. That's what I want to see off the pitch. That's why I'm a proud Lutonian. On the pitch, Luton are a fairy tale club. They've set the standard for every single club outside of the Premier League in this country to say this is what you can achieve with a good plan and consistency. You don't need to break the bank. You don't need to do anything else than have a good plan and build your club up from the ground with passion and heart. I'm not saying that Man City, to Man City fans, that they don't have passion and heart for their club. I used to be very, very fond of Man City in the 90s when I got into music because of Oasis and Oasis are obviously passionate Manchester City fans. So I had a sort of soft spot for them. Only that, a soft spot. But they were a club like Luton at the time, yo-yoed up and down the leagues. And now they are the team that sweeps all before them because of the this money that they've had come in. 
and not only money, they got gifted a stadium because that stadium was built for the Commonwealth Games. They got a stadium. You contrast that against Luton and the local fans and the local businessmen that run Luton Town Football Club are stumping up their own money to build a stadium in the centre of our community for the benefit of our community. Yes, they will be rewarded handsomely. I have no doubt about it. But they they have they've done that and they've done it off their own back to try and progress this club. Whereas the untold wealth and riches that the owners of Manchester City did got gifted a stadium. I mean, I don't, it might have been gifted before they turned up, but they they were previously owned by a very wealthy Thai prime minister. So it's not the same. It's not a level playing field in the slightest. Luton can do their very, very best to make it so on Sunday. But I absolutely still refuse to see this as a proper football game. But a football game will be played. And I, I think we both agree that the best striker in this league, if not the world, is coming to Kenworth Road. And uh, all of the jibes, obviously, Gary Sweet said he's got a special entrance for him, uh, Erling Haaland, of course. Um, I'm not going to ask how we can stop him because no team in this league stopped him since he came into it. So you can't really expect Luton to stop him. But it would be bloody nice if, one, he doesn't play, and two, he has a Darwin Nunes day and um, nothing, or or indeed a day that he had against Tottenham last week where everything he hits goes wide. That would be rather nice. It just seems like the best you can hope for, uh, for that guy. He's, um, yeah, he's, he's an absolute machine. And, um, you know... He was he's a he's a great striker in his own right. It doesn't matter who his paymasters are. So I've got no beef with any of the players. I've got no beef with any of the Man City supporters at all. Um I hope that they all have an incredibly bad off day at Kenworth Road and that we can all celebrate beating the for now until the charges come out and the European champions. Um if Luton win, I'll be delighted. I'll be, I'll be happy. I'll be on this podcast in the review one, <laughs> crowing about it. But if they get beaten, I'll quickly brush that off. Not bothered. Well, it's it's a game that's not going to define what happens to Luton Town this season, anyway, isn't it? Much in the same way that Tuesday night was. This this is a difficult, you know, it's, like you said, it's a harder game than Tuesday night. This lot have got more options. I think I mentioned in the preview to the Arsenal game that their bench doesn't look fantastic, and so it proved they didn't really bring anyone on that caused any damage the other night. Manchester City will have people on the bench that can do some damage. I mean, you're looking at. Poor man's Harry Cornick himself, Jack Grealish. He's likely to come <laughs> off the bench. Don't got hundred million quid price tag on his name. Uh, copious others that are on that bench that are that are decent players. Um, obviously, Harlan's the threat. We hope Tom Locke is back. We're doing this podcast before Rob's press conference, as we always do, so we can give you as much time to enjoy it. Um, you'd like to think Tom Locke will be back if they were giving him as long as possible ahead of Tuesday, if that indeed was how it was. If he is back, he's probably got the physicality to deal with Haaland, but it's obviously Haaland's movement that would be 
the one. I mean, he's the quickest to 50 goals in the Premier League, isn't he? He doesn't even seem like he's been there long enough to score 50 goals in the Premier League, but he has done. Quickest by an absolute country mile as well. And um, yeah, he definitely needs to have an off day, but he's not the only one that needs to have an off day. Mr. Doku down the left-hand side is in his first season in the Premier League. Usually foreigners supposedly meant to take six months or so to get used to the Premier League. This fella hasn't. He's hit the ground running and running is very much... Um, what he does and do you know what it'd be a lovely afternoon to have Issa Kabore down the right hand side matching him stride for stride but that's not going to happen because obviously he's on loan from Manchester City so Doku could be a serious serious threat down that side we're assuming Doku will start ahead of Grealish not necessarily guaranteed because Grealish was suspended for the Aston Villa game so maybe the fact that he didn't play in that game I mean, he's fresher to start, but I don't think Pep's going to be too much of a rotational mind uh, now that they're five points adrift of Arsenal ahead of that Aston Villa game. Yeah, they're going to come out all guns blazing, aren't they? And he's been um, on fire this season. He's um, he's a traditional winger. He, he, he wants to beat a man and he wants to get to the byline. And um, yeah, it's just whether you can stop him because... It's a simple enough task, but when you've got pace and power, um, it's a very difficult challenge. So, you know, it's not just whoever's up against him. Everyone who matches up against that side um, has to play out of their skin and hope that Manchester City don't particularly turn up or they don't particularly like uh, the surroundings of Kenworth Road. And that's, you know, that's just the reality of the situation because, uh, you know, in an ideal world, the, the Premier League will be, um, you know, sort of a, a fairly even footing of, you know, 20 of the best teams in the world. Um, but unfortunately, you've got probably four teams that are head and shoulders above the rest and Manchester City are, are better than all of them. And um, that's just the harsh reality of this, of, of this league. So ordinarily, you'd want to see the best players come here and, and loot and test themselves against the best players. Um, and I know some people will just want to focus on that and good luck to you. But um, I'm not making your life very easy. I'm sorry, Kev, but uh, yeah, I, I can't get past the fact that um, they have spent an awful lot of money that they probably shouldn't have on these players. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you can't get away from it. It's there. It's for all to see. It's been made uh, even more in the spotlight with what's happened to Everton in recent times uh, but one man that they didn't spend any money on someone who's come through their system who's one of the best in England if not the best English player after Jude Bellingham right now in Phil Foden I've got to be honest I, I don't always enjoy watching Man City games because in much of the same way that I didn't enjoy particularly watching Barcelona games or Spain games when they were dominant in the Euros they just tap 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 and bore you to death not so much this season because there's been like basketball games, Man City games that I have seen. But Phil Foden is an absolute class act. You can't not like, if you like football for the game itself, you can't not like Phil Foden. He's just a little magician. He's got a magical left foot, can play all across that front line. Uh, if we manage to stop Haaland, and if by some stroke of luck we manage to stop Doku, then we're going to have to find a way to stop this fella as well because he can just do do untold damage. He can. He's, um, you know, arguably sort of a generational English talent. I'm fortunate to have a lot of them. Bellingham, you've mentioned, 
he's one of them as well. I mean, of course, Gareth Southgate doesn't fancy him at all, so starts him doesn't start him. So that's that speaks volumes. But um, yeah, he's he is a, a wonderful English talent, and um, you know when he pulls on an England jersey, I'll be all in favour of him. Yeah, absolutely. We all will be. I mean, they're the three that we think could be the main threats. Of course, there's Alvarez. Of course, there's Bernardo Silva. Of course, there's every other player who's going to be in a sky blue shirt, if indeed that is the shirt that they wear. Some of these away kits are atrocious, aren't they? So kind of hope that it is the shirt they're going to wear. However, for all their good going forward, they have not been good defensively recently. I think it's 10 goals conceded in the four games prior to the Aston Villa game. So whilst we're going to struggle to keep them out, there's certainly reason to believe that we can get after them. We've just scored three goals against a watertight Arsenal defence. This this lot are not watertight at the back whatsoever. They've got a left-back in Gavardiol, who was the best centre-back at the World Cup for Croatia, but he's playing left-back for them. Then they've got this fancy thing at right-back where he has to pop up in the centre of midfield in much of the Trent Alexander-Arnold mould. So that could open the door up to whoever plays left-wing. And they're not particularly great at defending crosses, which will get the old light bulb switched on in uh, in our attackers, won't they? Particularly after Tuesday night. So whilst we're going to struggle to contain them, there's every reason to believe we'll get a bit of joy going the other way. And this could turn into another one of those crazy ding-dongs. Yeah, I hope for Luton's case that it, that it does because, um, yeah, it's a free hit. Um, the, the the pressure and the shackles should be off. Uh, the The crowd will undoubtedly be up for it because um, what's more English than wanting to see the very best <laughs> get uh, get a humbling? Um, that, I, I'm all in favour of that. So um, There'll be a lot more Luton fans than usual on um, Sunday afternoon, won't there? Liverpool will be Luton fans, Arsenal will be Luton fans, Man United will be Luton fans, pretty much everyone who's not a Man City fan will be a Luton fan, particularly as it's the first game on television on Sunday. Yeah, um, yeah you, you're probably right. Um, every, you, you, if you win a title, you're there to, there to be shot at, and they've won everything um, in the last season. With probably more to come in the next couple of months, um, and I hope they enjoy it. I hope they enjoy it while it lasts, because if enough of those charges are proven, then I'll be calling for them to, and uh, and I hope that lots of other people are calling for them to have titles stripped and then to get relegated. Well, if they are proven and that does happen, then they'll be winning a lot more titles, but they'll be the ones that we've just passed on the way up over the last 10 years or so. Certainly if Rangers and Juventus for uh, other countries are uh, anything to be concerned. Uh, The Luton team then, we've got to preempt what we think might happen uh, once again. As I said earlier, we think Lockyer or we hope Lockyer will be back. We know that Sambi Lakonga is going to be somewhere in and around the contention. Uh, Rob confirmed prior to the Arsenal game that he was back in training and fit, but couldn't play in the Arsenal game. We know that Issa Kabore won't be playing on um, Sunday afternoon. So we're forced into that change. That throws up a conundrum at right back, doesn't it? Last time we had that uh, during the Crystal Palace game when Issa was concussed uh, the week before, it was Alfie Doughty there. That didn't really work. And it just affected the balance of the side. So is it Chio down the right-hand side? Jacob Brown, one of those two? Yeah, well, I mean, potentially. I mean, he's he's already given Brown a trial, hasn't he, in, in wing-back situation at Brentford. Um, but 
Chio's probably more likely he's played there more can keep up with Doki. <laughs> That'd be a great race, wouldn't it? Um but then then he's not on the same side as Kyle Walker, is he? And which then we, we all want we to don't see. get to see that no. race, um, which is one of the few redeeming features of this fixture, I think. So um Doku is the man of the moment, isn't he? So um if he can nullify that threat then that that would be that would be great. Put put him right up there in the shop window even more than he is. The other one we don't know about fitness wise is Marvelous Nakamba. Um the talk is that it wasn't as bad as they thought it could have been, but no real time scale's been put on it. And to be quite honest, I'm happy if he doesn't play this game. Chances are we're going to lose this game. The worst situation is that he plays this game and gets booked and he misses Bournemouth because with all the best will in the world, whilst we'd love to take out the European champions on Sunday, that Bournemouth game is getting ever bigger and ever bigger the closer it arrives. So if he was to get a fifth yellow card on Sunday and miss that Bournemouth game, that would be a catastrophe. It would not be, it would not be good. And um, so it'd be interesting to see if he's fit. Also be interested to see what happens to the front three. All change against Arsenal. Is it all change again? Or did Elijah do enough? And indeed Jacob Brown do enough. I think it's pretty much a guarantee that Townsend will play because with the little bits of the ball that we do have, we're going to need to keep the sodding thing. And he's as good as anyone at doing it. Did Elijah and Brown do enough to keep their place in the side? Or is it back to Morris? And well, we've already alluded to the fact that Ogben is probably going to play um, right wing back. Uh, so is it back to Elijah and Chong? Yeah, I, Elijah, definitely. Um, I think he did plenty in that game to, to warrant his, justif- uh, his starting berth, justified that, uh, scored a goal, obviously, and um, looked really up for it. I think he'd be up for this one. Um, and if crossing uh, is going to be Luton's best option for getting anything out of it, then a bit of height in the in the box is not going to be a bad thing. Brown or Chong uh, is a tricky one. I wouldn't say Chong had his least effective game coming off the bench, I think, um, against Arsenal. And Brown was very effective in chasing down uh, the Arsenal defenders who wanted to play it around the back. And undoubtedly, that's probably what Manchester City will be doing. And you don't want to let them have it. Uh, you want people to chase and harry, which is what they did against Arsenal. So maybe the the chaos football element that Rob Edge was talking about. I do like the sound of that. <laughs> uh, warrants Brown. So I'll, I'll go Brown. Sounds like an alternative TV programme, doesn't it? To the Big Bang Theory or something, <laughs> the chaos element. And uh, listen, this game's going to have to be as chaotic as it can possibly be. For I mean, if they start stringing passes around and... Um, having the cigar out, then it's going to be uh, Sheffield United, Newcastle proportions. But it won't be like that. We know it won't be like that. We've worked it out now that teams that play on these big wide pitches and like to stretch the play can't do that. At Kenworth Road, there isn't enough space for them to do that. And that's why we can play like we do at Kenworth Road. Um, who in that opposition, though, is there to target? I mean, yes, Gvardiol doesn't play left back very often. That is indeed if he plays. They sometimes play Ake down there, don't they? He's another centre back who plays left back. In fact, their whole defence, apart from Walker's centre backs, isn't it? And then John Stones will pop up somewhere in amongst the formation as well. Um, probably not going to get much joy out of Kyle Walker down the right hand side, even as fast as Chio is, if indeed that matchup does take place. So is it literally 
set pieces, bit of Barclay magic, um, bit of Eli unpredictability. Is it, or is it, or can you see an area as a sort of structure? I mean, I'm trying to think of goals that Man City have conceded recently and Tottenham hit them on the counter attack, didn't they? That'll, you know, that'll bode well for us. Chelsea just overloaded them, didn't they, really, in that 4-4 cracking game. So you wouldn't have thought we're going to do that. That would be a a right risky move. But how how do you see us approaching it from an attacking point of view? Uh, Set pieces, yeah. We've shown that I think uh, it'd be interesting to see how, um, how well Luton do above the league average for set pieces. I asked this of Edwards before the Arsenal game that, I saw an interesting um, sort of animated stat-laden piece about how actually in the Premier League only 3.5% of um, corners were converted into goals and Luton have targeted this season. They've made it an important way in which they can get goals. Obviously scored two of them against Arsenal. So it'd be interesting to 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 learn where they are in against that national picture. So... Undoubtedly, yes, set pieces, uh, crosses, and um, everything to go in their favour. You need the you need the footballing gods uh, to be favourable fairy tales. We need a referee who's going to be strong and be good, not like that clown on Tuesday night. Um, they've not announced. Uh, I don't think they've announced the official if they have. um, Oh, yes, they have. Sorry. Tim Robinson's the referee, which isn't fantastic. Um, But hopefully, you know, hopefully feel sorry for us having come up through the Football League himself and uh, wants to take pity on us on Sunday. Um, Yeah, we are are good on on set pieces. We must be approaching double figures now for set piece goals, which is really, really good. Uh, Fair play to Alan McCormack, who widely sort of regarded as the man who works on the set pieces uh, at both ends of the box, actually. And actually, defensively from set pieces, we're not that bad. So maybe we should um, give corners away and um, we'll keep a clean sheet. I don't know. Maybe if maybe that's how it works. It's uh, it's an interesting one. I, I personally think usually it's the left-hand side, isn't it, that we focus on? I personally think the right-hand side, whether it's Ake, whether it's Gavardiol, or whether they spring some other left-back that costs 50 million quid uh, in there, I think that's the route. And also, I remember Andros Townsend scored a few bangers against this lot when he's in his Crystal Palace days. I think they were at the Etihad, but even so, bangers are bangers. If he wants to open his account like Ross Barkley did on Tuesday night on Sunday afternoon, that'd be a well-timed time to do it. It would absolutely. I'd I'd, I'd relish that. Um, it, I mean, you're sniffing around the, the edge of the area a couple of times against Arsenal, but they sussed that one quite quickly and shut it down. But then again, he he fed in Barkley for the for the third goal. So um, yeah, if you if you stop that one thing, then I think Townsend's got enough about him that we've seen so far that he can offer something else up. But um, yeah, I think that's probably a, a decent route. You're not obviously not going to outrun Carl Walker down the other side, um, so it makes it more difficult to gain anything on that side. So um, it's, it's all it's all a bit slim pickings, isn't it? But we knew that. I'm into it. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think it's the last one of these games at home that is slim pickings, as we alluded to uh, in the Arsenal Review podcast. There's nothing to fear after this game, and there's probably nothing to fear here either, really. I mean, obviously, they're a good side, but it's, you, you know what you're getting. There's no one known about them. They're, they're pretty well known now. They're going to play the way they always play. Whoever it is who's playing, they play the one style of football. And, you know, it's up to us to just have it in us to run around and try our hardest and just stay in the game, really. You saw when they went to Sheffield United earlier on in the season, Sheffield United stayed in the game. It's about the only game this season they have stayed in, but they stayed in the game. I think they got an equaliser with about five minutes to go and then they'd done the Luton thing of conceding straight after. So if you can stay in the game, you can sort of catch them cold and, you know, the atmosphere and the things that they're not used to and all of this, that and the other could combine to... You know, who man, who knows, make it a, a memorable afternoon. We were seconds away from getting a draw against Arsenal. So, you know, that's got to give everyone belief that we can do this. Yes, they're a better side, Man City. I think we're all agreeing with that. If they're not a better overall side, they're certainly a better attacking threat than what Arsenal um, showed on the night. But I think we can get at them. I'm a, I'm, I am expecting a high scoring game, but I'd quite happily walk away with a nil-nil right now. <laughs> I think our first clean sheet in the Premier League listen, against Mr. Harland and Co. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, I think that's one score we can guarantee is not coming along. I mean, now it. you are talking fairy tales. That's that they're they're not not going to score. That's that's a fact. That if if they if if a clean sheet happens for Luton on um, Sunday, then I don't know which way is up and which way is down anymore. No, it would be something. Something quite special where um, the first clean sheet in the Premier League to come, it's look, look, it's not going to happen. That's not um, saying anything that we shouldn't do. Uh, I wouldn't have thought anyone's going to expect us to keep a clean sheet. I would imagine even the players are going to go into the game thinking to win the game, they've got to score at least twice, probably even three times, really. That's just how many goals Manchester City score, as you all know. We will finish this podcast as we always do. With a score prediction, and this one will be interesting. You'll have a heart and a head prediction here, I suspect, but let's go with the uh, no, let's go with the heart. I think one hundred and fifteen nil to football. <laughs> I knew it was going to be something along those lines. Go on, and your head. It 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 probably be a defeat, but like I say, it counts for nothing. Doesn't mean anything, and I absolutely refuse to give you a score. With an asterisk next to it that if it's not a defeat, it means absolutely everything as we will eulogise over on the review podcast. Uh, For what it's worth, I'm not here to pick Luton to lose. Just can't do it. And hey, you know, I was almost close. Well, I wasn't almost close the other night with a 1-1, but we almost got the draw out of it. So let's go 3-3 for this one. They've had a 4-4 now. They've just had a 3-3 against Tottenham. Let's have a 3-3 three, three against, uh, against Luton. There will have to be goals in this game. If there aren't goals in this game, something seriously bizarre has happened, like the game's been called off or something <laughs> or something or other. There's just got to be goals in the game. I see you're keeping it sensible, Mr Palmer. <laughs> I am indeed. Yep. Um, at, at the time of recording this, no TV interviews are lined up. It's the first time in three games. They're probably trying to contact Kevin Palmer, that's why. Well, that is probably absolutely true, yeah. Um, or maybe Sky just don't care. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, yeah, 3-3 for me. 
And, well, we're not going to get one out of James, and that's absolutely fair enough. But we would like your score predictions. What do you think is going to happen? Let us know how you think Luton can approach this game. Who would you like to see in? Who would you like to see out? Changes from Tuesday, front three, everything else um, like that. Let us know in the comments. As always, if we get a correct score prediction, which, funnily enough, we didn't in the Arsenal game, we will give you a shout-out in the review podcast, which this week will of course be out a day later because the game takes place on Sunday. We'll hope to get that out to you on Tuesday morning. But again, if you've subscribed to the YouTube channel or wherever you get this podcast, you will know 100% when that podcast drops. James, thanks very much for your thoughts. It's been like getting blood out of a stone, but I've given it my best. Um, and I look, well done, mate. Well and, I, done. and I look forward to the reunion of uh, trying to get blood out of a stone when we do the review podcast. Yeah. I hope everyone treats this feature as absolute contempt it deserves. <laughs> Up the football. Absolutely. Uh, that is it for this episode of the podcast. Thanks very much for watching or listening. However, it is that you've consumed the podcast. As I say, please do keep subscribing wherever it is that you get the, uh, the podcast from. We do really appreciate all of your support as we do the support of the Hightown Club who have hosted us for this episode to Sean Grant and the Wolfgang for the intro music and to Ed Smith Creative for all the designs that you see on set until next time come on football come on the real greatest fairy tale in football come on you hatters